0: Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRosche and Amelia Pisano. Airing live on the
1: United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans.
2: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday night segment of The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, UFO, Paranormal Radio Network 105.3 and 107.7 FM from the beautiful city of New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning. Thank you, Folgers. We appreciate you so very much and we would not want to do it without you. Also, big thank you to Justin Snicker, aka Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, for his contribution of his time, his music, and his voice for the intro that you just heard. He's an award-winning composer of Halloween horror sci-fi and dark wave electronic music, which can be found on all of your favorite music streaming platforms. Also, big thank you to Steve McGuinness, the artist behind all of our banners and logos here at the show. Check him out on Facebook and Instagram. Also specializes in the horror genre and can do any amazing commission pieces so tonight we welcome back our very dear friend and frequent flyer as we like to call him (laughs) (laughs) Preston Dennett who's going to be sharing more tales of experiences contactees testimonials and so on always interesting always a lot of fun we just you know, it's never work when you're on with people that you love. And tonight's one of those nights. Yes. So big welcome to Preston Dennett. Bam. Hello.
3: <laughs> Hi. Hello. 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 Nice <laughs>
2: <laughs> we can just go on a few minutes with that one. <laughs> How are you?
4: I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing well. Good. Have a great Thanksgiving. Over eight, which I think is required.
1: Of course it
2: is. Well, yeah. Of course
1: What'd, you it
5: is. What'd you have?
1: What'd you have?
4: Oh, the traditional stuff. Nice. Uh, not a big, big turkey, because you know, not a lot, not a lot of us here. No, yeah. but like
1: how much turkey? I can't even eat it the one time a year. Like, how much turkey do you actually want to be left with, guys? Like, seriously. Yeah. There's only light so light light. much you can do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Enough for that week. And then it's like I'm done. I don't want to have to take something out of the freezer a month from now. <laughs> right you know what i mean like it's sometimes people get carried away it's a beautiful visual to take that picture of that big turkey
4: all the different sides
1: don't need the 30 pounds no,
4: no. but we had stuffing of course and mashed oh. potatoes which i can live off of i love mashed. me too
1: <laughs> daily
4: i'm irish i guess so <laughs> I the Irish
1: same, same thing, right? Like <laughs> right. always, hi John. I'm always potatoes. Oh my god. My father used to say it wasn't a meal unless you had a potato.
4: I absolutely love potatoes of <laughs> any form. You name it. Yeah. Wow. That
2: was a little fun fact about pressing Y'all might not have known. Preston and I are gonna
1: get along very well if we're ever in a restaurant. <laughs> I don't share my fries. You can have my dessert, but I don't share my fries. Oh my
2: goodness. <laughs> my send. goodness. Hello. Actually, hello. I was more
4: Irish than I actually am because I just had my ancestry done not too long ago. Turns out I'm 1% Indian. Wow. Indian.
1: wow.
2: India,
4: who knew? <laughs> so wow. someone
1: hundreds and hundreds of years ago was over there. Yeah. Since it, it just tells you collectively. You don't you never know like whose side of the
4: I'm all over the map. I have no idea.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that many? I've never well, done well, it. It kind of makes me uncomfortable, but It was interesting. I'm very curious.
4: I was so sure that I was like half Czechoslovakian, a quarter English, uh, quarter Irish and Pennsylvania Dutch. No. Yeah. I'm so much more than that. Which Aren't cool.
1: most of Americans part Pennsylvania Dutch though? <laughs> yeah.
4: I heard something like eighty percent of people in New York right? are Irish. Yeah, thank you, Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. The My Irish great grandmother Irish was built- yeah
2: half Irish. Yeah, and, well, the
1: yeah. Irish built New York City.
3: Yeah. yeah,
1: They started it. The Italians finished it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh my God! Oh, wow. we're, all we're all
4: one. That's what's... Yes. Matter. That's
2: yeah. That's <laughs> right. That's right. The law of one. I'm always yapping off about it. That's all us, all together.
4: ED do that. They're like, well, I'm part gray, I'm part human. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
1: Like I don't know, think, do you
2: have a mix of reptilian and gray? Do they test and, for that? And human.
1: Do they test for that when they do those DNA tests? Like,
4: <laughs> well,
1: that we know of.
4: Dolly has some well, very some interesting conspiracy. Um, genetics, I'll just say that. She can tell tell you about it. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, we've spoken
2: <laughs> in detail, for sure. So you are back and we're super excited because you always have some phenomenal stories to tell. One of the things we always talk about on this show is how everything that pertains to extraterrestrials and UFO slash uap contact and experiences always lean towards the malevolent or bad experiences and it's always a breath of fresh air when you come on because you always have so many phenomenal experiences and they're good experiences and i think it's really important considering everything that's going on in the world i don't think this is something else that people really have to worry about
4: yeah i'm kind of baffled by that because honestly i don't edit I am not, you know, exclusively picking positive stories. Right. If someone comes to me and says, "I'd really love to talk to you." I'd be like, "Let's talk." Yes. You know, and after I go really deep into their encounters and we go through it bit by bit and parse it out, uh, sometimes they come around. Even then, they'll say, "Well, you know, I this was kind of a mixed bag for me, but you're right. I did get a lot of good out of it. No, I wouldn't trade it for anything." Right. But every now and right. then, yeah, there's people who are like. This was a miserable experience. I wish it never happened. That's few and far between. Mostly people- really? Oh Little yeah.
1: People like me who are just afraid.
4: That's the well, that's actually not few and far between. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. That's pretty <laughs> <Okay>. common.
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: Well, what do you do? Why don't we talk a bit about people who are are fearful and how you get around that? I mean you always tell really lighthearted stories. and It amazes me how many people reach out to you. Um, and you do get the odd, you know, scary story. But do you think it's because it's more fear based? Or do you just think that their experiences are a-holes? <laughs> it's like you get one little, you know, because I mean, it's like any race. We all have the good, we all have the bad. We just all have those who just want to be a big a-hole, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like they, they just, they just, you know, because I mean, we've had people say, Oh yeah. You know, like it was just done. I, I I actually pled with them and they're just like, so, (laughs) right. So I don't know.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know fully how to explain it other than fear is definitely a part of it. And there's, it sort of goes through this pattern. Often, of course, as we know, contact starts at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And usually little kids aren't like, oh, look, there's a gray. <laughs> they're like, oh, here's someone coming into my room. Right. Isn't this interesting? And, and it's pretty much not a super scary thing. Not always. Right. But at some point, and it's usually around when they're a teenager, this is when they start to realize, well, this is a little different. <laughs> right. Well, a lot of people aren't talking about this, and they have a real hard time with it and it can be very scary right And this is when people you know if you don't face it you can compartmentalize it you start having nightmares anxiety insomnia you know fear of intruders missing time of course because i don't think the ets are intending to scare you and if you're losing your mind over it they're not going to burden you with that right but and then it'll stop for a while and then in the 20s it'll I mean, it, it depends on each person. I've talked to people who've had maybe four or five encounters. That's it. Others, right. it's boom, 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 boom. It's constant. Others, it's one or two. But usually it's, you know, bunch when you're little, bunch when you're a teenager, stops for a while, flares up again in your 20s, stops, <laughs> flares up in your 30s, stops. And
3: right. it's,
4: it's unique, honestly, in each case. But I mean, right. I had one lady... She's like, these guys are evil. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I hope you're all right. She's like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm like, what happened? She says, well, they appeared in my bedroom. And I'm like, okay. And she says, it was really scary. And I thought I was, you know, it was just, I was losing my mind with fear. I'm like, why do you think they're evil? She says, well, the way they looked at me. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I don't mean to laugh. Each person's experience is what it is. Right. But they didn't do anything to her not that she can remember. And she came to this conclusion that this was evil. And what I've come to realize, because I keep struggling with this and much the way I think the witnesses are, uh, is that if it's scary, if it's unpleasant, you can easily categorize this as a bad experience mm-hmm. and evil. And the thing is, they appear in your bedroom <laughs> And that's what people have a hard time with.
2: I can't. Yeah, that's my big thing as well. It's just you know, you, you, it's intrusive. Yeah. Middle of the night.
4: I'm like, where's the most common place to see? Well, you know, it's not out there under the field when you're calling them down. You'll see a UFO. You're right. most likely to see an E.T. in your bedroom.
5: Right.
2: Yeah, that, that's a little bit unnerving, you know, but it's like Wayne makes a good point. One second. Where did that go? Oh, Here you go. It I had to move the banner because the, the comments went, went over Amelia's head. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> it's okay.
2: <laughs> Can you see that?
1: Oh, shoot. Yeah no
2: (laughs) okay you want me to do it hold on no i
1: gotta just get my glasses on that's really tiny um wayne says i mean i'm open-minded but honestly if i suddenly found myself in a strange place looking at a 12 foot tall mantis i'd lose my
2: yeah Yeah. because i mean that could be unnerving like it's not always a typical gray i mean that's
4: exactly what kevin cannon told me pretty much those same words and he did and it yeah. wasn't 12 feet. It was 15 feet.
2: <laughs> <gasps> okay, see, right there.
4: <laughs> and he, he actually conversed with them. You know, it was a very benevolent back and forth conversation. That's
1: a really large bug.
4: Yeah. About, you
1: know what I love <laughs> about winter, Preston? No bugs. Why are ET encounters? You hear a lot about them in the winter, though. Like, you get more stories. Is there a reason for that?
4: Um, it's most common actually in the summer.
1: Really? In, well, in
4: terms of UFO sightings.
1: No, I mean encounters in your house.
4: You know, I've never done a full-on statistical analysis of that. Next book. All right. <laughs> it's gonna be a hard project. <laughs> Thank you.
1: I'm <laughs> curious. I'm a numbers person, Can so I'm curious like,
2: about some of these species. Well, when I, I hear when I
1: hear people talking about their experiences. I wonder if it's like paranormal because in the winter, nothing's really going on. You're, you're noticing more right in the summer. You're busier. You're out. Maybe you're not as aware. You're really tired. So you're sleeping heavier. Who knows? Because we have the, the office, like during the winter, there is much more paranormal activity oh, wow. that is being reported, not necessarily much more activity. And then the summer. So I wonder, cause I hear these abductee stories And a lot of times it's in the fall and the winter. They don't say, oh, it was the 4th of July and I was sleeping and this happened. You know, like it's around the holidays or something. Like I've been noticing things like that. That's what I do. I pick up details in my work and I've been picking that up in interviews. So Mm -hmm. I was curious. So it could be, you know, at least a chapter of another book,
4: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> well, it's definitely worth looking into because it would be very interesting if there were a pattern that was like super obvious. Which yeah. like I did find some. I mean, July 4th, oddly, is the most common day to see a UFO. Yeah, I well, just...
1: they're all outside.
4: Yeah. <laughs> and uh it turns out ETs are coming down for the fireworks.
3: It's... Well and yeah, also see, that
2: makes sense.
4: Fireworks, you know.
3: What about
1: the moon's energy and the planets and how everything shifts?
4: Yeah, I did notice that there's seems to be a slight uptick when See, I there is some sort of astronomical event, like, mm. like in the, a lunar eclipse.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: But, I, you know, that's another thing I haven't really dug deep in. But I'm like, wow, there was that's a lunar eclipse book. on that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That was the day the Topanga Canyon wave swept through. On a, June 14th, right. 1992, there was a lunar eclipse. Mm. And there was a huge... 1992,
3: eclipse.
4: yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's but I know that it, there's definitely an uptick in the summer and they've noticed this for decades and they thought at first maybe it's because mars has its closest approach they were trying to figure out this was before of course we knew about mars and had gone to the moon or anything like that but it was such a prominent pattern they called it like saucer summer or summer madness but Yeah. yeah i mean you pick a day i can guarantee you i can find an encounter that occurred on that day I've got I believe it. <laughs> I
1: believe it. I'm just there's so much curiosity because I wonder about the energies, the sun, the moon, the different planetary systems. Does it affect how they come in and out? Does it change portals? Like I have a million questions for them if they'd let me ask them. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think we all do. Yeah. I think
1: they don't want to ask me because I am an interviewer. <laughs> like we don't abduct people who ask that many questions. Yeah, But you
2: Barbara. We, Walters we don't want to have a conversation.
1: but you Barbara Walters was never <laughs> yeah.
4: She'd probably if make you them cry like she does me. everybody.
1: Yeah, would you be?
4: So Kevin Cam, in the Navy medic I interviewed, who, as I mentioned earlier, saw fifteen foot. All praying mantises did ask them. He asked them about Roswell. They said, Yes, that did happen. Uh, he wow. asked them, Are you going to eat me? <laughs> and they said, No, we have no interest in eating you. We eat vegetables and fish and the things you eat.
1: Well, they're pescatarians.
4: He asked where they're from and they told him the name of the planet and everything or the star. Right. And I'm like, Well, what did they say? And he says, I can't. It was all just consonants and you know, it was just somewhere I couldn't understand. Huh. I showed him a little star chart, which mm-hmm. is actually more common than you would think. It's not just Betty Hill who saw star chart. That comes up fairly, mm. well, not frequently, but it certainly comes up consistently. Right. They will so, answer your questions.
2: So should people be fearful? Because I mean, I know there are accounts of people have had really horrific experiences with the mantis.
4: Yeah. Um, well, you should be fearful of my labs and government stuff yeah. and that can be very difficult to extricate the truth from
3: mm-hmm. uh,
4: and i understand it if you're fearful when you're laying out on a table and you can't move
3: mm-hmm.
4: the instruments coming towards you yes. one lady i interviewed who had a kind of a mixed bag ultimately decided it was positive she said I did have one experience I didn't like at all, where they came down with this needle like thing in my eye. Oh, and I'm like yeah, yeah, that has got to be horrific.
5: Oh, I can't
2: even imagine.
4: Betty Andreason, she called them angels. You know that's how she looked at them. They took her eyeball out. <laughs> yeah.
1: So does she why? look at it like she saw? She right. watched. Like, why?
4: Yeah. Well, that's I, I looked into that. There's a smattering of cases of that.
1: Why?
2: Did they do they get any doctor. explanation for this? Like,
4: um, some think it's an implant. Well, one guy, mm-hmm. uh, he was interviewed by John Carpenter, a researcher. He was colorblind, fully colorblind, and they did this, that procedure and popped him back in the sockets, and he could was no longer colorblind. So, but I think can they not just put way. him to sleep for a little while? That would be. I think that probably happens more often than not. <laughs> Yeah. I wonder, do
1: they not feel pain? And that's why when they're inflicting it, they're not they're unaware.
4: I wouldn't go that far. Okay, um,
1: so like why I, inflict pain?
4: I don't think that they intentionally do. Mm-hmm. What happens How- is when someone's in a state of absolute fear and you touch them, they're gonna go, ow! You know, and this you know, you can see this with hypnosis. You can burn someone with an ice cube mm-hmm. by just when yes, hypnotizing them with that. And this, when you're in that kind of state, anything is going to cause pain. Right. I do have cases where people are like, no, 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 they stuck a needle in me and it was painful. It happened to Betty Hill. And she's like, oh, 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 you're hurting me. They put their hand on her head and they said, we are sorry. We didn't mean to cause you pain. I was just looking at a case a couple of days ago where a couple had missing time in Oregon. They saw what they thought was a plane. (laughs) It wasn't. Yeah uh because mm-hmm. the next thing well they didn't really remember they got home two hours late but started having recall and ended up going under hypnosis and recall this object dropping down being entranced kind of unwillfully walking towards and into this object
5: mm-hmm.
4: uh, a man and a, a woman a couple and he's pulled in and laid out and she's walks in and they said oh well we didn't really mean you to come into this room but you're super psychic We think you're going to be okay watching this. Just relax. Everything's going to be fine. And she watched her husband being examined. And he couldn't open his eyes or wouldn't. And they grabbed his arm right here on the forearm and here and stretched it out super painfully. And he screamed out, Ow, you're hurting me. And they took away his pain. They're watching too much of the tutors. No, but here's the thing. Um, that like, was that was basically it. Um, and he came away from that experience profoundly depressed, really got upset, ended up losing his job, had to move. But his, oh he had injured himself as a young man to where he could not extend mm. his arm. And
1: they fixed
4: it? They fixed it. Aww. And under hypnosis, he found out why he got so depressed.
1: Oh, maybe hypnosis ETS, isn't always a good idea.
4: Um, well, the ETs told him when he was on board that we – we are so, so sad about the state of humanity and there's nothing we can do about it. Mm. It's up to you guys. And, and just laid it out on all the wars and the famine and disease and corruption. And that's what depressed him because he says the ETs were actually very loving. Mm. He had a real hard time reconciling you know, the, the trauma he went through.
2: Right, well, that's hard.
4: Yeah. yeah. But it, it was a benevolent experience for them. Right.
2: Right, it is. I I I can completely understand that. I think it's it's the fear, the pain. There's just this. We don't have a whole lot of understanding. I think there's just been so much information kept from us. I always go back to how the ancient people had really amazing experiences. For the most part, with you know the beings from the stars, as they would call them, you know the star people. They would often have a, like amazing oral history. They would emulate them. They would you know, tell tales for generations and they're not, they not—they weren't like, I would say the majority were all good experiences. I yeah. think it's a lot That's of a the more sport. malevolent tales came from the reptilians and that there's some old tales about that, but there's some old tales about reptilians that have been really knowledgeable and really good as well
4: yeah I heard you talking on a previous show about that statue of the reptilian and yeah yeah yeah
2: I could send <laughs> you the story Yeah, it''s, it's, yeah. it's crazy it's amazing. but I mean because they had like an a type of I won't say apocalyptic but but the area had a really um traumatic um, physical thing that was happening to their to their their city I can't recall it exactly but they went underground. And to, to escape the, the cataclysm, whatever it was at the time. And they basically, this one reptilian came down and took care of them. He educated them to the point where they ended up erecting this statue. But then yeah. again, there's a shaman who, who, like out of Africa, and his oral history was how these reptilians came down in these really, you know, like decrepit crafts and, and um, literally just to rule. Like they go, it was a terrible experience.
4: Well, I if suspect that... that each species at some point has to go through an uplifting process, an evolution, a spiritual progression.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's you know a history of some difficulties with each, you know, I don't I don't want to say species, but each type of humanoid.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: But boy, someday I wish that doors of history would come open and we could see what really happened. Because that's so many years ago. Nobody really knows. They weren't there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I suspect back in those ancient times, people were telepathic to a greater degree, perhaps, than we are now. Right. And that facilitated a relationship with the ETs, who were right. much more open. I mean, we know they were coming and going and coming and going,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
4: which we're seeing now. Well, certainly since 1947, when right. they started coming in larger numbers, when, we finally reached the point to be able to kill ourselves and all humanity and destroy the planet.
2: (laughs) Do you think Uh, that's, that's when it got worse um, for us as human beings, as a a society with governments now getting involved because they got their hands on, you know, maybe some of these crafts, reverse engineering, and all of a sudden you can't talk about it. You can't like gone with the days of, you know, being able to, um, to gain knowledge about this stuff.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that it's no coincidence the atomic age and the modern age of UFOs coincide exactly.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. Uh, And I really think that's when humanity started to really go, well, I don't want to say humanity, but that's the cabal.
3: Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
4: You know, an evil Mm
3: -hmm.
4: portion of people on this planet. And I'll use that word freely, evil. Because when mm-hmm. you're, you know, funding both sides of a war and polluting water and deliberately hurting people, that's evil. There's no two it ways is. about it. Yeah,
5: um, it
2: is. It is. Um, You have a lot of comments and such coming in. Um, I've started a couple of things here that you can go in. But just let me go back into. um There you go. Bubbles, can you get that, please? Get
1: glasses. under the screen it's a lot smaller than the comment section that's why um yes what percentage of t encounters would you estimate were mantis versus human looking ets
4: i'm gonna say gosh it's a hard question to answer this is another thing i'd really like to just buckle down on in my files i can say human looking is more common uh, mantids would probably be about 10%, maybe 20 yeah. Um Not super common. Mm-hmm. Rays mostly, honestly, is what I get. Uh, right. But, I mean, you get little blue beings. You get strange 10 foot tall humanoids, 9 foot, 8 foot, short right. little beings of all kinds. Right. Talked to a lady who had a really interesting encounter in Europe where she lives. I, mm-hmm. Gosh, what? I'm not sure what country it was, because I had just kind of finished doing a sort of email type interview with her. But her encounter was so interesting because she's walking along with her friends. And boom, this craft drops down, it becomes transparent. And there's these human looking people, blonde hair, blue eyes, your typical Nordic, looking down at her. And uh, wow. looking, absolutely human looking, but right. different. You know, they're, right. they're either See, that's places. easier to take. It wasn't super easy for her. They really? Yeah.
5: Wow. Because
4: it was so close and it was so strange. Right. And she tried to talk about it with her parents and he's like, oh, well, those are probably Nazis. And what? she didn't think so. Oh. <laughs> this was quite <coughs> <confusing. Yeah>.
2: Wow.
4: <laughs> wow. In the 50s, maybe. <laughs> right. It, that's... But,
2: that's crazy
4: (laughs) i think when it hits you unexpectedly and you've had no exposure to it it knocks you over it destroys your belief system and that's a painful experience Mm -hmm. when you're not expecting something like this and you have no you've never thought of it
3: Mm -hmm.
4: and i mean i was just looking at a case where a guy had that exact experience and Mm -hmm. let's see this was in glasgow scotland right walking down the street at 3 a.m black top-shaped craft drops down and there's a big porthole and looking down at him is a blonde-haired human-looking blue-eyed being in a silver suit with little stripes on the shoulders he had a nervous breakdown shortly later full-on couldn't do any more interviews. Wow. didn't want to talk about it wow really so, yeah it profoundly affects people when they right. have it. I get that because I didn't even have an encounter, not initially. I just found out my brother did, and my sister in laws, and you know, people at work, and friends, and I was like lying there in bed awake at night for a year.
2: Really? <laughs> oh no! I was excited when I first first time I ever saw a craft. I was younger. I mean, I was so excited. I felt this sense of like awe.
1: I think when you're younger, you like roller coasters, too. You couldn't get me on one now. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) You're more fearless. That's what I mean. Like, you're more fearless. You're not as, you know, because everything's a wonder.
2: I watched. I stood outside for 20 minutes watching a craft come down. And I just watched it. I didn't feel any anxiety. And disappeared behind the tree line in the mountains. I knew where it was because there were a couple of lakes back there. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, like it was really slow and going down, which was a curiosity, but I watched it. It was like wintertime, whatever. And then literally within about 10 minutes after that, the thing shot right up, out like in disguise, stopped and then took off on an angle and then it went gone. Next day we had like military helicopters everywhere because, you know, obviously caught some attention but i'm out there Especially going up north. this is bloody amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, wow. Oh, look at this thing i never the thought that something or someone would come in and like maybe somebody grabbed me i don't know but i was pretty excited about it maybe maybe i was abducted i have no freaking clue all i know is i just had a complete sense of awe that i was watching because as a child i used to watch the skies all the time because i am a contactee right and It was just like just one of those moments where I'm thinking I'm actually experiencing it now.
4: Yeah. I mean, I've had a dozen close-up sightings and probably more than that. I mean, I did have missing time and, you know, at least one fully conscious onboard experience. Right. And every single experience I had is great. I loved it. Right. (laughs) wonderful. I couldn't be happier. Right. Right. Yes, Amelia, it's true.
1: No, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm not saying. Good for you. <laughs> I'm happy for you. If that's what makes you happy, I want you to be happy.
4: <laughs> thank you.
2: Um, yes, I, I am that never happened to her. I personally,
1: I personally prefer to live through the experience of others in the situation. <laughs> yeah, I so that. I have a that's lot that. of fear. And it's really bizarre. Because you would think with the stuff that Michelle and I do, that that would not be the thing that scares me. <laughs>
4: You no know, one's so funny. I've interviewed a lot of contactees, and every well, not, not super often, but it keeps coming up. I'm like, Have you seen any ghosts? Because I like to embrace the whole thing, right? It, it comes along with that. I'm like, Oh, I hate ghosts. I can't stand them. It scares them. I don't like it. It scares mm-hmm. me so bad. Right. Wait a second. So you went on board humanity ATs, but
1: right. See, those, so we're you know. polar opposites, but that's okay. You can live vicariously through me, and I'll live vicariously through you, <laughs> Dolly and Michelle. You know, I it's just a it's that fear for me. I it's I think it's the control thing, you know, like I'm not an excessive drinker, I don't partake in recreational drugs, I don't, you know what I mean? I need to be in control at all times. It bothers me that I need a sleeping aid, it bothers me. Because I know once it hits, I don't remember the first half hour before that. Pardon? No, I missed that. <laughs> I said it makes
2: it easier for them to come in and grab you. because you
5: <laughs> Right.
2: Easy that way,
4: see? But well, I'm, probably... I think I'm just
1: too quick on my feet for them.
4: <laughs> it's, I would say it's, that's the number one complaint with people who have a hard time with this, is the feeling of loss of control. Yes. And you're next to a being who's clearly you know, got more abilities and can do things we can't do. And, I mean, one lady she told me, I felt I was going to be snuffed out of existence by just standing in their presence.
1: Wow. Yeah. Present. I get on a plane and I want to interview the pilots in the cockpit. Like that is how controlling I am. I want to know who my pilot is, how long they've been flying. If I can find out, I want to know because you're putting your life in the hands of a stranger. And that's the fear with me is taking me and do I get to come back? You hear so many stories about people coming back with their clothes on backwards five years later and they're the same age. Now, I can take that. That's a lot of savings on Botox. I can take that. (laughs) But it's like, really? It scares. It's those stories that stick with me. The military interference that sticks with me. Um, The fear of knowing too much.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Is scary. The fear of knowing too much, the fear of my own gifts without saying too much.
2: I'm right? With Leo. Pardon? <laughs> I'm with Leo. They should know by now what you're going <laughs> to pour in a bottle of wine will get more things
1: done. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It just, <laughs> yeah. It just, it's yeah. really, really frightening for me. It really is. I love listening. I love, especially talking with you because. I I never feel like an idiot when I'm speaking yeah, well, you're to
4: not you. With that. I mean I was just look I didn't interview this guy, but this is a case that took place in Brazil, I think, and I was just interested in it. Cause he's driving along and has this UFO following his car. And it comes right down behind his car, mm-hmm. about a foot off the road, one car length behind, and follows him into this town. this was in Ituparuna, Brazil. Probably not pronouncing that right so he rushes into the police station <laughs> says this thing followed me and they're like yeah sh- sure it did he's like no no for real for real and they said well you know if you're so scared why don't you just spend the, t- the night in town he's like no no i have to get home he relaxed got back on the road and of course this craft came down again started circling his car landed on the road in front of him his car failed put a beam of light on his car the doors pop open <laughs> and he's pulled right into the craft and he said it was scary. Very scary. He was sweating profusely. All uh, they did was examine him. They showed him an image of the city blowing up in a nuclear bomb. So I think that's the warnings that we often get. But, mm-hmm. And put him back in his car. And it turned out, you know, he went to the police again. And they're like, well, that's funny. This guy came to the police too. Driving just a couple of miles down the road. Same craft. You know, it was a little tiny Volkswagen sized craft. And he the ETs lifted him up 100 feet in the air, and another car came, and so they put him back down. <laughs> oh
2: my gosh. <laughs> so that funny. first guy
4: ended up being taken four or five times and having a whole series of experiences and photographed them and developed into a full on, you know, contactee kind of right. experience. Right. But yeah, initially very scary.
2: Yeah. Well, okay, I mean, Okay, here's a scary one. I want to put this in two parts. Bubbles, are you ready for this? Yes. Bubbles is going to disappear for a minute because a big comment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's even better because I look like Mr. Wilson from Full Type. Okay, part one. <laughs> okay. Um, Sunsaver says My experience was they were planning to eat me. I somehow overheard their thoughts, followed by an argument about whose fault it was that I was escaping. The leader of the Grace. The Grays mm. said stop arguing. Get after him. He's getting away. Thanks at Scarlet Fire. So that's like pretty dangerous. That, that's frightening. That's frightening. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then you fall wonder fall why. why. I don't know what is that a Dolly says okay. my lab. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I mean that's possible. I would ask a whole series of questions. Is there military in your family? Are you next to a military base? How Have- you had a history of encounters.
1: That's a questionnaire.
4: That's um, an yeah, I mean, There's a whole yeah. list of things. Have you gotten anything good out of them? Were they all negative? Uh, but, you know, I I haven't talked to this yeah, person. it's hard to say. So it's very hard for me to comment.
2: Well, I can but- say this, though, Preston, the connection. When you ask in your questionnaire, do you have military in your family or connected to somebody, friends, family, that sort of thing? Do you know that throughout the last two decades of working in the paranormal, at least half of those people have had um, UFO um, extraterrestrial contact as well? And out of those 50%, I would say, I'm going to be conservative and say half of them had military connections in there and they were having... Horrific, malevolent experiences to which they believe are paranormal.
4: Isn't that interesting?
2: Right. Yeah,
4: like, there's always. I mean, let's face it. This it, there's still a lot of questions surrounding mm-hmm. this. Yeah, we you just triggered that
2: with me when you were mentioning that.
4: And yeah, the, yeah, that military thing is a question I have learned to always ask. You know, have yeah. you had unexplained injuries, unexplained healings, yeah. weird marks on your body, all the different things that. Mm-hmm. Know, can be a part of this experience. That's right. not
1: a dog, son. That's a pony barking. <laughs> yeah.
3: she's part That's horror. a
1: pony. <laughs> yeah. she's a good girl, though. <laughs> I have a friend who just has Great Danes. Yeah. They're huge. Oh, I love them. They, they sit on a
2: love seat. Oh, we never mind when the when the fur faces come in. It's always good. Oh, um, yeah.
4: yeah, she takes me for walks. I don't take her.
2: <laughs> I know. Who's wow. the handler here,
1: <laughs> Pressing her, She would be fun to, to take her leash, tie it around your your waist, and put on a pair of roller skates and go down a hill. She would make that a lot of fun. Because if you go flying, you just jump up and you can ride her to the end.
4: I made the mistake she's of trying to with her once, and she jumped higher than me. I mean, she's taller than me. <laughs> yeah. She weighs as much as I do. I'm not kidding. She's
1: crazy. <laughs> yeah. She's beautiful. Yeah, she's, she's beautiful. Large. They're so sweet.
5: She's the rescue. I love so animals. So, yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: my goodness. Um, so, see? Okay, right here. This is um, pertaining to the... The last two comments me where read. Can you get that, Amelia?
1: Yeah, I can, because that one I can scroll down and see on the side. Okay, all right, go ahead. <laughs> says, my father was in the U.S. Navy, I have had other sightings of UFOs that were more benign, and at least one sighting that seemed almost friendly, an orb. The attempted abduction happened in 1975.
4: Okay, so well, the, there's man. your
2: connection to...
4: Well, I can say this. Pe- people who are contactees often are known by the military or the folks behind the my labs and they will target you in an attempt to turn you against the ets and have this whole negative narrative put forth because that's their agenda this is what our secret governments are spending your tax dollars on no joke this is a very serious thing Mm -hmm. so it gets really it muddies the waters and that's putting it Nicely.
5: Right.
4: Uh, because right. people will suddenly be like, no, I don't want to have ET encounters anymore because this is what's happening to me. And right. ET encounters might be absolutely friendly, but let's face it. Sometimes people just want to live a normal life. You know, they don't mm. want this. Mm-hmm. They really don't. I right. talked to a couple who turned out they married each other without knowing that they were both, quote, abductees uh but he just had enough of it and then these cat-like beings appeared one evening he's like that's it go away I never want to see you again stop it why are you doing this go away go away go away and that was it you never right. had another experience right so I've people who have ended their encounters that way often what will usually happen is they'll go away for five or ten years and then come back like are you ready now Right. Not, in, not in so many words, but I, I think that's exactly what's going on.
2: I agree with you because I, I, you know, had a lot of paranormal experiences growing up, but I also know that I had a complete fascination with ET and crafts. And I know now because I was a contactee, well, more, but we'll leave it at contactee. And I found out from my mother that. Throughout their family, my grandfather, like it went back, back, back. My father, you know, all all negative blood types. Just saying, you know, like it's just that, that's a that is a curiosity with some of the connections as well. But um, you know, and I somehow everything just went silent, and I had all of this paranormal stuff going on, and I of course it put me into the field. Um, and it wasn't until like literally four years ago where, you know, I'm like, okay, because I started, they started resurfacing in my life again, or let's just say they were resurfacing to the point where I was recognizing, I was recognizing things, right, I may have been seeing them for years, and, but, you know, if you don't know what it is, or you're not looking for it, and you don't have an understanding of it, you don't really know what you're looking at, or seeing, or experiencing, I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe I'm taking yeah,
4: especially good at denial, you know, and yeah, it's like, and explaining away.
2: Yeah, it's and like if no, you're I'm not good. ready
4: for it. You know, yeah, it's not gonna go there.
2: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know, a few years ago, I kind of said, okay, you know, and Bubbles and I worked over that whole fear thing. Like, I am I'm not impressed with this crap going on in my boudoir. And I'm like, don't (laughs) talk talk to them that way. What if they're not nice? I know, right? I'm just like, no. But I made the decision in my mind and I, I telepathically reached out, which tells me there was already that connection. And I said, okay, I'm fine now. And then it was like almost instantly bam, 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 bam. You were fine.
1: You were fine after that. You really were. She was calm. She was like, I've got control of this. I'm good. But you see, it was my (laughs) decision. Mindset. (laughs) Yeah,
2: mindset. And I didn't feel like it was being pushed on
4: me. You know, one lady I know who was having encounters for a while, didn't realize it until she saw Billy Meyer, you know, the Swiss farmer on TV and all the crafts. she's like, oh my God. It opened a dam. All these memories came flooding. She started having conscious encounters, lost her mind, didn't like it. I I may have told you about her before, but she had greys appear around her bed and she kicked one in the neck. Broke its neck. <gasps> they, they pulled her on did board Did it retaliate? Once. No, they just left. But they They're were like, over.
1: this one's this one's got Taekwondo. I'm out of here. <laughs>
4: <laughs> she's a feisty one. Okay.
1: <laughs> they, Maybe that's they, why they don't come here.
4: <laughs> they pulled her on board once, and she woke up in the middle, up in the sky, halfway to the craft. And she's like, what are you doing? Put me down now. I did not give you the right to do this. What are you doing? I don't like this. And they're all in complete shock. And they put her back in her bed. So she was fighting. She would put up booby traps around the bed, tacks on the floor.
1: Michelle, maybe that's (laughs) why they don't come to me because I'm kickbox trained.
4: Well, that could be
2: No, Maybe it's the stilettos that you keep next to the bed. It's (laughs) the (laughs)
1: reaction, right? I can kick in those too. But I mean, like, it's the (laughs) stilettos. I wonder sometimes, (laughs) you know, like growing up in the city... You know what I mean? Being trained in box. Like, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. That
4: right. might be. If you're super hard, you know, resistant.
1: Well, I like, oh, we got a problem I like to say I'm street <laughs> smart. I like to say I grew up being street smart and I'm still that way and taught my daughter to be that way, even though she's a country bumpkin and we live out in the middle of nowhere.
5: Yeah. Well, it's like they you
1: have, mean, have your mind. What do you mean they have my mind? They hear. Oh, well, they hear. Mind. Sorry. <laughs> the glasses should have been on when I read that. <laughs> They I mean, hear in my mind, so then they know that I don't want this. You have yeah, a choice. But,
4: but you know, if, if if it's your doctor and they have a problem <laughs> that they need to heal you with and you don't want it, you know, what are they going to keep? They're going to try. They're going to keep doing their best.
1: I want them to so, heal my daughter.
4: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I wish they would heal everyone. Yeah. Um, so I could use a few. I do, right too.
1: Side. I mean, I really do. Just if I would put her before me at any time and <laughs> I would let them.
0: Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a biweekly podcast presenting these spine chilling horror stories, urban legends and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert, Dr. Heath Avery. Season one relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com.
1: Research whatever they needed to with me to, to heal. I think from
4: a very high spiritual level, we kind of all choose our life path. And we some of us choose really hard challenges. Me too. Um, So I don't know, it's, that's deep stuff to get into.
5: Yeah,
4: Uh, I cried enough today,
5: (laughs) but but yeah. Going
4: back to this lady, what happened with her, she she ended up being healed of a cyst in her fallopian tubes and she learned how to do healing and energy work and all this stuff. But she's like trying to develop a relationship, you know, with these ETs. She's like, okay, come down, I think I'm ready. And she heard them coming down her hallway. She's lying in her bed. she's like, okay. And her heart starts thumping. She's like, gosh, I'm not sure if I'm ready. And it takes its hand and comes it around the doorway and puts its big long fingers around the doorway and starts to peek. And she screams out at it, no, I'm not ready. Go away. <laughs> and it went away, <laughs> but it was kind of, I mean, she looks back at it laughing, but at the time she says it was absolutely horrifying. It was very scary for her. It's, it,
2: it is intrusive. I can understand that. I've felt them commit at times. And I've just had, you know, you know what it is it's like when you have a really long day and I'm like, I have a headache <laughs> Wait for me to fall asleep. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll go work. I'll do whatever. Just let me fall asleep first and whatever. Go. No, I'm yeah, I'm kidding, but yeah, you know, like have a headache, don't feel like going.
1: When you have I try to
2: be comical about it and they're very good about it.
1: When you both and, and Dolly have these experiences that, you know, you're with them or you're on board. Is it kind of like astral where you wake up and you know you haven't really slept? Or do um, they, or do they release you peacefully and make sure that you're rested?
4: I didn't. I wasn't tired at all. You know, okay. And when I have astral experiences, I come back super
1: exhausted. Energized. No. Oh, astral? Yeah. Astral, I come back burnt.
4: Oh, really? <laughs>
1: yeah, completely <laughs> toast.
4: Wow. <clears throat> no, each person's experience is different, but yeah. I don't know. For some weird reason, I don't have fear of this stuff. Not even ghosts or or bit, I'm I big. I yeah. I ran towards the darn thing. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, no, no, and I when ghost activity happens, I'm like amazed. I'm like, wow, look at this. This is awesome. Yeah. I mean, you like, see, you have a haunted
2: house for a lot of years, or I mean, I grew up in one, and you know, we had, the manor house was like, like just a revolving door of. Crazy stuff that you just get used to. I I, I agree with you. It's I think it's a, a mindset.
4: No, there's the cat.
2: So <laughs>
1: so I'm
2: gonna see see have a cat right here in front of all your your viewers. Oh, I
1: love it. Love it. <laughs> I know cats are bloody
2: aliens. I'm telling you, <laughs>
1: they're, they're their own. Looks, they definitely are. They have their own planet. They, right. No,
2: they think they own this planet. Yeah. <laughs> We're their people. We're supposed to do what they tell us to, what they want. Serve wasn't me. It, take care of me.
1: <laughs> wasn't it Elf, the alien that uh, ate cats? cats? Yeah. <laughs> and he learned to become friendly uh, with the cat in the house.
2: <laughs> sure, because he went to eat them. Here we go. Here's a uh, question.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Um, let me just roll that down because it'll be easier for me to read it from here. Okay. Michael Kennedy. Hi, Michael. Um, Given the recent release of Stanley Kubrick's confession on video of his, why did new comments have to come and do that to me? Okay. Of Stanley Kubrick's confession on video of his involvement of directing and filming of a film that became the moon landing. What interferences can make, what references can make, sorry, I am, I am
4: In, okay. inferences
1: toast inferences. Thank you. I can't see. Mm-hmm. I'm literally blind. Okay. I should never have spoken well,
2: Sorry about that, writing. Michael. Yes. Well, yes. We, we read them out just for our audio listeners.
4: <clears throat> I certainly looked into the moon landings because I talked to this guy who was on the ship that picked up the astronauts. I mean, I think there's no doubt we went to the moon. If you look into it, the evidence of that is absolutely overwhelming. It's provable. Uh, you can go you know we, there's a mirror up there that you can shine they shining a laser at, so they know exactly how far the moon is people watched the gemini and apollo missions go around the earth and to the moon uh, there's enough people who worked on that project that this would be impossible to pull off as a complete hoax
3: mm-hmm.
4: however we found stuff up, up in the moon no doubt about it this is what the guy i talked to who was a petty photographer on one of the ships they bumped him up to top secret put him in the capsule with the astronauts as they picked him up and he got their cameras footage he mm-hmm. developed all this stuff and they alien bases and structures of all kinds and he says the astronauts were losing their minds because they saw all this stuff and they filmed it and this is one of the reasons they went up there because they wanted this material mm-hmm. and this is why when you you know, try to get the moon rocks from NASA and try to pin it down, what they brought back, it's very difficult. Because mm-hmm. they were bringing back stuff they don't want anyone to know about. Right. They were filming stuff they didn't want anyone to know about.
3: Right. So I think
4: some of these missions there, they're like, well, you know what? We have to release something. We can't, we can't show them this footage. You know, this mm-hmm. is going to come out one day, mark my words. This is going to be explosive. And it already has to a certain extent. Anyone who's mm-hmm. in this field knows about this. So I think some of the moon landing footage was faked. <laughs> I really do.
2: Well, let's face it. what Which Apollo mission was it where the astronauts, I guess, the heard, heard that the moon, you know, when something hit the ground, it resonated. And they're like, okay, like this is hollow. Like they could hear it
4: like a boom.
2: Well, well if you're not they- on the moon, how would you hear
1: that?
4: There's a lot of stuff that we're not being told. They're f- finding yeah. out now there's a lot more water up there than we thought. Yeah. the, the moon rocks themselves are composed of oxygen. Which right. I'm like, what? Is that true? How can that be? Look it up. It's okay. true. Okay. And mm-hmm. what
1: about the Apollo 18 film? Speaking of, of the Apollo films, where they had those little things and they brought them back. Is there any truth to that? Or is this purely fantasy? in Hollywood,
3: yeah, there's
4: where they had those of, little
1: creatures.
4: Um, I, don't, I think that's probably disinformation. I don't know for sure. This is not my area of expertise.
1: Right,
2: right. I
4: did actually write a book on all of the stuff which never got published. One day I'm gonna go back to it, but I mm-hmm. sent it to Berkeley Books and they're like, this is really good. You know, we right. really considered this, it got all the way to the top editor's desk, but mm-hmm. ultimately they decided that people weren't ready for it. Right, right. But, look into the history of it there's something called transient lunar phenomena tlp Mm -hmm. lights on the moon it's super well verified these are the landscape will change light patterns that are not meteors hitting it or anything because they're in actual intelligent patterns Mm -hmm. and there's not a hundred cases of this there's thousands the royal astronomical society in england said stop sending us these reports we know about them look up mm-hmm. any book on the moon transient lunar phenomena mm-hmm. scientifically verified and we don't know what it is the moon's right. not se- seismically active is, um, yeah
1: is there a country that's stands out for the amount of research they do regarding our planetary system
4: um well the main superpowers or what we call the superpowers i think they're all cooperating it's very interesting to me that the Apollo missions suddenly ended very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to you know mm-hmm. the inside sources, we were basically told, you're done. You are not going out any farther. You guys are too dangerous. Mm-hmm. We we're planning on exploding nuclear weapons on the moon. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And what is what is it about dark side of the moon? Why do we always hear? I'm asking for me personally because I hear people talk about it but I don't understand why there's so much interest in it. Do you believe they went to that side and like, how else would they know it was dark?
4: Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of hooked the imagination of the people and certainly governments as well, because we can't see it.
1: No. So no. how would you know so we, it's dark unless to know, you went we over to that side? Really.
4: <laughs> and we just wanted to take a look at it and they've mapped the moon. They've mapped every square inch of this darn thing. Yeah. And we know from, some nasa insiders that they were airbrushing this stuff out you know the air bases and the stuff they found on there and the guy i talked to uh he said absolutely he saw enough photographs he developed about one percent of what the astronauts took because he said it was just room after room after room after room of footage and there was it would take years to develop and he tried. Oh, he actually snuck like four or five photos out, and they were taken away from him. Uh, but he <laughs> if only they met, had met the
1: staff there. to do that. I think they they've done it, and they're just keeping quiet.
2: Yeah, well, there's I, a, there's a show about it right now on Amazon. I'm trying to find. We've watched it. It's all about the moon. You know, there's even it, like, and again, you can. Know, That's it's, it's just. You know a lot it's a lot of theory it's
4: gonna come out one day i tell you it, it makes a it. lot of
2: sense but they mentioned something on here and and I, I wish i could find the name of it i tried to look at it but apparently if you watch something completely it disappears from from your prime list because you watched it so you have to quit halfway through and then it keeps reminding you to watch it but there's a mention of two large iron poles that are placed in two different areas if wayne's on here wayne if you're listening if you can just sort of jot it down because i know you're up in there somewhere but it was basically they were put there with a sign that says the day the moon arrived
4: Hmm. well yeah if you look into the history of the moon there are ancient writings that make no mention of the moon right however
2: exactly exactly
4: so yeah, scientists. Alien moon scientists is what it's called. Figure out
2: okay, you know, Alien. the origins of
4: it. And one of the main theories is that something crashed into the earth and out came a bunch of the earth and started rotating around it.
1: Um yeah. feel
4: like, no, this was captured at some point. And I we think need a field trip. What, to the yeah. moon?
1: <laughs> Joel let us go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay. Come on. Yeah, contact ET your ET
4: friends to the moon all the time, right? <laughs> like if
1: you're if you're an abductee, can't you go there? Yeah. Don't jo- well,
2: this, well, that's what I mean. So why can't we, we do down? a
4: field trip? Yeah. yeah. Who's just saying mean, we don't? Do- Dolly Saffron did
2: sarcastic. it. I'm being Kevin Cameron
4: did it. I've talked to a number of people who've seen the moon on on board a UFO. You know, the okay. behind it, <laughs> they will show you that. Not at all. I'm
1: not landed.
2: Unusual. So, this is about the iron pole. If you can get that, Amelia.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I can. There's about two of I these.
2: Yeah, two of these.
1: Okay. Um, the, sorry. One this of them. Crazy. I will get, I'm trying. There's so much in the chat room. Okay. It's like, I scroll it. I got it. One iron pole is in India and doesn't rust. And apparently, either does any of the iron that was brought back from the moon. Hmm. I didn't know iron
4: was. Wow. I've right. never heard this. So that's kind of interesting. There's two of them.
2: Uh, yeah. And he says the name of the show is called it's alien moon. Oh, wow. It's on, it's on Amazon prime. Go check it out. It talks about all yeah. of that. Yeah. And uh, really. we just sat there kind of going. He was well, man,
1: so man, so
2: man. here it is right here. Um, they Can you get that?
1: Yep, I can. There are now two known writings that speak of the moon arriving into Earth's orbit. One is in Egypt. The other one escapes me. One is it. I've heard people talk about moons in Egypt.
2: Yeah. So the day like the moon arriving into Earth's orbit. So I I don't know. It's just that's what, what we how we started the show. Basically, was the fact that so much has been. Um, kept from us, and now we're you know, we're at this point where we have so much speculation, and we really have to rely on eyewitness accounts and experiencers like like all the stories that you tell, you know, um, all of the people that you're in contact with.
4: Many times, you know, don't look to our governments for answers, that's a a huge mistake. Everything we really know about ETs comes from. The contactees, people like right. Dolly Safran or, you know, Kevin Kamen or well, it's all the like, people I've interviewed. It's and, like
1: whistleblowers. They know the truth.
4: <laughs> right.
1: It's the same thing. Only mm-hmm. these people have their contactees and whistleblowers work for them. So, yeah, it makes total sense. Um, I I'm, I, I don't believe anything that is out there regarding our you know with the ets or with the planets that comes out on msm or or anything that comes i don't want to say too much that will get snagged um Mm -hmm. using the govt but um yeah i would never believe anything that they say especially after what we've been through the last few years
5: Mm
4: -hmm. yeah well i think that's why yeah (laughs) really only true knowledge comes only from personal experience and sifting through. I mean, they call it the information age, Mm -hmm. but we're kind of past that now. It's the disinformation age.
1: It absolutely is. And we Mm. know that just by being online.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, but I mean, again, you know, we're into this point where, um, Dolly made a good point as well. We're getting into a time of false flags. Dolly actually asked something up here, and I want to go back and grab it. Oh, Doxy, sorry. So we're going to backtrack just a minute. Doxy.
1: Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> what do my love do?
4: Yeah. Well, first, I would say it's spelled M I L A B, which is an acronym yeah. for military abductions. Uh, okay. And so my lab—that's what it stands for—and what they basically do is use mind control, psychotronics, drugs, hypnotism, and all the nefarious techniques mm-hmm. to fake uh, quote ET abduction—and I'll use that word because that's exactly what they're
3: doing—and
4: mm-hmm. they will make it very negative, and it's all staged, and it's very intricate and advanced and they do every technique they can and if you look into you know M. M, gosh what's the not mj12 so much there's another word for the the program magic or whatever it is uh that they basically did mind control experiments very early on Mm. learn how to turn people into multiple personalities and have them do triggers yeah. where they would assassinate people. And I mean, they can control a person. <laughs> like Yeah. Um, and this is just what we know that's been leaked out. So mm-hmm. there are, are a lot of people out there who are really having a hard time dealing with this.
3: Right.
4: Uh, and this is how muddied the waters are.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And when I came into this field, I was horrified. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, UFOs are abducting people and experimenting on them. These bug-like ETs—they have no feelings. Uh, this there's a cover-up. This is horrible news."
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And it wasn't until I started interviewing people myself and getting that firsthand information and seeing UFOs myself, so I knew they were real
3: mm-hmm. and had
4: interactions with them, that I did my 180-degree turnaround. I'm like, "Okay." Half right. the stuff out there is not true. Right. And there are some very prominent researchers and quote, and I'll put big air quotes around them, experiencers, mm-hmm. that I think are flat out lying. Just flat out lying. It's I not agree. true. I agree. Yeah. And it, it I agree. Mm-hmm. And I
1: think that if you pay attention when they're speaking, you can see it. Because believe it or not, stories do change. Mm-hmm. And there are video clips. And it amazes me how often the story will change if you go back a few years
3: mm-hmm. and, some and you go start listening hypnosis. to
1: audio and all of their stuff that they mm-hmm. have, you know,
4: you know, there are some people who go under hypnosis and the researcher is negative and minded <laughs> and they come out with a terrible horrific abduction story because hypnosis used improperly can lead you right down a path of disinformation with your own experience. It's really mm-hmm. unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't generally recommend hypnosis because of that. Try writing it down first. Try meditating. Try doing dream work. Hypnosis mm-hmm. does work. I think Barbara Lamb does a really good job, and she'll tell you in her own words that, yeah, some of this stuff is probably not accurate.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, right.
4: But I know it works because a lot of what people recall is exactly what people recall consciously. hmm and you can predict what's gonna to happen to a person when they're taken on board. Yeah, you might be physically examined. Probably you will be. You right. might not like it. Who likes going to the doctor? No one, you know, not a lot of people. If ask the dog
2: how he feels about going to the vet and getting yeah. that thermometer. <laughs> so, right? you know, I mean, it's sort of, it's, it, you know, sort of the same idea. Um, you know, not that I'm comparing us to, to dogs, but I'm just saying, you know, like if you're going for an examination, And if they're helping people or if they're trying to get information, most of the time, you know, nobody really enjoys a physical exam. Like Preston said, even from your family doctor.
5: But but
2: getting back to um, what you said about, you know, going out and and, and plant something and being out in nature. I find that a lot of um, contactees who are, Connected, Like when I started reopening myself up, I decided to start doing planetary energy work, you know, that I do, you know, with, with, with other people that I've done over the years, the last few, handful of years. And it's just, you just get this sense of wanting to protect the planet and, you know, do well for others and more so on a different level. And it's just hard to explain because if you, if you, if you do it, you understand if you don't do it, you don't understand really the need that you feel to do it, the urgency of doing it.
1: It's, it's hard to follow through on things when you see your own leaders drinking from plastic water bottles about protecting that. That's a tough one. It has to come from the top. If you want people to follow, I'm huge on recycling More because it's the waste. It doesn't make any sense. You know, like even a Keurig cup, I will empty the grounds out and put the plastic in recycling. Not everybody goes to that extent. They'll just toss it. But if it doesn't start up here, because you're seeing them on television, you're seeing them with their water bottles, and you're seeing them with every... It's a lot of waste at that level, and they'll write it off that because it's the position of government. B.S., it Has to start up here so that everybody You're else, can like a contactee,
4: Amelia. Oh shoot. <laughs> you are I'm telling I just you. thought
1: I was passionate because I've always been that way. And I grew up, I was born in 69. I grew up in the in in the 70s where you were covering your books with grocery bags. It was just a way of life. And that's all it was. Everything was in glass. You know, mm-hmm. I have a problem with plastic, not just the recycling. For me, it's the ocean. You know, the animals, it it breaks my heart when I see turtles and, and yeah, we have Captain probably... Paul Watson
2: on the show, and he really went into a lot of detail about yeah. the damage that we're all doing. You
1: can, you can watch it on National Geo, right? Like it, it just it's so heartbreaking, and you can't understand how all this the plastic is the size of our continent in the ocean that's just floating around. This is insanity. And why is it there?
4: it's in our it's blood just, now i mean it's in our bodies in the you field. know
1: it's awful and a lot of the the plastic that what i don't like about it is when plastic came around and i don't mean to take away from et because i think this is a message they're trying to give us well when plastic came around the the rise in cancer was astronomical
4: Yeah, and we can make plastic now that's organic and biodegradable yeah, yeah. And I went into dead shock when I started reading the ingredients and realized that a good portion of the food I was eating was GMO, genetically modified.
1: That's why I want to move to Italy. Yeah. That does not stand there.
4: I have that food in a not. box that I'm not going to eat now, which I bought. I'm like, well, shoot, yeah, <laughs> darn it, you know. And I mean? that's that's <laughs> the
1: problem with Canada is even if we take GMOs out and Monsanto's not a thing. It's some it's it is in some provinces and some provinces it's not. The problem is we're still taking stuff, importing it in in our exports. We can't control that. And people are forgetting to read their their produce bags. They're protesting plastic, but they're buying cucumbers and carrots in plastic bags. Yep.
3: <laughs> There's
1: a lot to that. So I think there's a big message in, in that as well. And no. I, I hope if that's part of what's happening to abductees that they get the word across. No,
4: it's a big part of being a contactee for sure. They are yeah. environmentalists. In fact, mm-hmm. this is one thing that I'm really proud of is like people are always like, who's get contacted and why? And people are like, well, you know, this person's blood type and you know, this person lives in this area. You know, they have the history of contact in the family. Yeah, these certain Mm -hmm. commonalities. But one thing I noticed is people who are having contact are doing good work for humanity in some Mm -hmm. capacity. Mm -hmm. And I think I want to take credit for that. I'm not entirely sure if I'm the first to say this, but I've certainly been saying it for a while. Mm -hmm. I noticed a lot of social workers, a lot of environmentalists, a lot of human rights activists, Human mm-hmm. rights activists, doctors, nurses, teachers, mm-hmm. artists, musicians, people who are just trying real hard to do the right thing.
3: I mm-hmm.
1: trust you. You've done so, enough interviews to know.
4: And I don't mm-hmm. hear other investigators saying this. And I'm like, well, you know, here's one of the reasons, you know, look at your people who you're talking to, ask mm-hmm. what they've done to, to help the world. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to hear like, you know, Gosh, there was that guy who so he planted like a half million trees. What's his name? He's full on contact D, but he's like I'm on a mission. He's like, like Johnny Appleseed, um, right?
2: Yeah, just just plant away, do your part. You know,
1: I have rows of trees that don't even need to be beside each other on the front of my house, but I'm happy.
2: Um, so I just I had seen a comment come up, and I just want to address it. Do all extraterrestrials or let's say aliens just to lump lump it up a little bit. Um, do they all come from space? Or I say dimensional, interdimensional. Um, but it's a tricky we have here right here on good old planet Earth, I guess is where I'm going. <laughs>
4: um, I, well, you know, Earth's been around for a very, very, very long time. We're not yes. the first civilization. There was this term called breakaway civilization, which I thought was kind of intriguing. Right. But I think it's also a little bit misleading because, you know, a long, long time ago, all kinds of things were going on a billion years ago.
2: Exactly. Um, yeah.
4: But I am going to, and I'm going to stick to my guns with this. We're dealing with extraterrestrials, physical okay. beings, people okay. like us right. who are, like us, interdimensional. And there are people who are absolutely spiritually enlightened on this planet living today who can levitate, turn invisible, teleport, do healing, all kinds of things that we see ETs doing. People are like, well, look, they're interdimensional. Well, yeah. That doesn't mean they're not ETs. It doesn't preclude them from being time travelers either. Right. All of these things. Right. And are they from Earth? Well, probably been on Earth longer than us. Right. For visiting it and perhaps in some cases having bases here. Right. Uh, So, yeah, it's a trick question. I'm going to say yes.
2: Right, right. Well, we're we're not the first kick at the can here. That's for sure. You know, we're not the first civilization on this planet.
1: Couldn't we have a better name for them, though? Like E.T. is... For me it's harsh and so is alien i don't know
2: that's why i say extraterrestrial most of the time you know yeah but that's i rewarded it because of the fact that extraterrestrial Look, means off planet
1: yeah i and see ET all the time as well i want to hear yeah. Yeah. yeah i agree with you i want to correct myself i just wish mm. that i didn't use it it bothers me in some way it feels yeah. offensive one lady
4: she said, called them creatures and said we don't like that term call us martians <laughs> right, right.
1: In Italian, oh, m- <laughs> you say cre- creaturi, and that means any creation, whether human, animal, or alien creature is I like non-human. very respectful. Yeah,
2: non-human.
4: Now, I don't yeah. understand the resistance to the idea of extraterrestrials, because there are some really high profile researchers who are very well educated and very experienced.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And saying, you know what? I don't think they're ETs. I'm like, hold on a second, because there are all these theories floating around. And I wonder about these guys, because have you actually had an experience? You know, if you've actually met them, it's hard to walk away from the fact that this is a person like you who might look mm. a little different. I did a whole thing, a study on U- the smell of UFOs, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which uh, I thought was super revealing, because what it showed was there's two types of odors. You could classify them. One is sort of electric or chemical, which kind of pointed to the high electrical fields surrounding the craft and the metallic stuff inside and instrumentation and that sort of thing. But organic odors. Over and over again, people go on board and they're like, well, it smells like a locker room in here. Or mm-hmm. you know, it smells really or right. you know, they smell you can smell the ETs themselves. So
1: they're right? not they're not floral and Chanel. <laughs>
4: No, they're woodsy. I
1: have to like Woodsy,
2: I'm
5: nervous. <laughs> woodsy, Ood.
1: Um, right? We
2: have to take a quick break. Station, yes. uh, sponsor, oh, and station yes. yes. ID, please, if you will. I'm just
1: having so much fun, though, Mom. Like serious. I know
2: it's easier. Roll right through it. I know.
3: You've done.
1: It. <laughs> <I've> done <it. laughs> I am so tongue-tied and twisted today, but. <laughs> Forgive me. You are listening to The Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Pizzano coming to you live from the beautiful city of New Orleans on 105.3 and 107.7 FM radio, as well as you can now watch us, and you have been able to watch us for the last few months on the Roku channel. You can stream us on all of our Facebook group pages as well. Our guest tonight is a very dear friend and colleague, Preston Dennett, the Godfather (laughs) Of all ET. That's what we're going to call you the ET Godfather. Uh oh, here we go. Snoop Snoop Dogg's not the dogfather. We are calling Preston the ET Godfather, (laughs) the alien godfather. We'll figure it out. Right in. Let us. Well, write to me. Don't write to Michelle. (laughs) Enough emails. (laughs) Um, If you're just tuning in, no worries because you can stream our archives on any platform that you normally stream your music or your podcasts on. You can find us there. Just start by looking for United Public Radio, and then you can find the Outer Realm. Remember to click like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and don't forget to share us with your friends and family to the wonderful people at Folgers coffee for your continued support in sponsoring our show from day one to now. We appreciate you so much. We love you. And we thank you so, so much for letting us be here and do our thing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We hear that. Jill tells us that you often watch and we're really grateful. Our fabulous banner and promo media is a huge thank you to Steve McGinnis, who is a horror illustrator. He's a fantastic artist who can create any commission pieces, and he can be found on Facebook. If you love our intro and when we get the chance, our outro. Thank you to Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, a.k.a. Justin Snicker, award-winning composer, vocalist, and musician. You can find his music on Amazon and Bandcamp. Stream again on any platform that you normally stream your music on. You can also find Dr. Snick on social media. He's on Facebook and Instagram, and he's constantly dropping little videos that are really cool, and his music. Now, if you're watching us live right now on Facebook or on YouTube, please make sure to, again, give us a like, subscribe, and don't forget to share with your friends and family. Don't forget to hit that notification button so that you never miss a show.
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you. God is a mouthful. Word. It
1: is, isn't it? Why it's written up in an
2: email because oh. I can't remember. It. I know. I'm just tired of listening to it. It's like, oh my it's god, because, Yeah, work. it's twice a week. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, we have okay. We have a question here. Um, Can you get that? Yes,
1: I can. Uh, Preston, do you think that the government tend to follow the lives of those who have been visited?
4: Yes, I do. The secret government. I I won't say it's not your senators or the president. It's the people behind the cover-up. Absolutely are aware. This is a subject they take super seriously. They're probably watching this program. I think that Mm. they're... I'm not kidding. I think that they watch everything anything to do with ufos any buzzword that comes up that's alien extraterrestrial ufo contactee abductee that goes through the email system twitter instagram all of it and if you are a contactee who's having regular contact for sure they are visiting you and following you i've watched it happen i know that this to be true from personal experience Mm. so a big big yes on that and I've had problems myself. I mean, I did get a somewhat threatening phone call from a guy who said he was a top secret government guy. I've had real honest to God phone problems, email hacks. I lived in a secure building in a condominium complex. And this was before the internet. And I was sending out a manuscript a week to various magazines. I mean, I, you know how I'm gung-ho I am with this. Right. My mail was coming back opened so i brought my sister because i would get mail back every day you know from rejections usually <laughs> uh, but uh you know something and i'm like okay i want you to open up my mailbox we went into the secure building it's a locked mailbox i'm like tell me what you think of my mail it was she's like well it's all opened i'm like yeah only the ufo stuff like, who's doing that right you know, who stopped their car when i was walking outside my car stopped the car in the middle of the street took my picture i looked behind me because you know why would you want to take a picture of me i'm just you know a guy but no they, they yes they watch over ufo researchers we know this to be true too because some ufo researchers dug into that and found his own file mm-hmm. and
1: it was thick mm-hmm. they, Jim they want to what you're releasing they want to know what you know and what you're talking about
4: I had and, one that come right up to my table well in the chat
1: room <laughs> as well. So <laughs> just saying,
4: yeah. Hey, you know, ask me anything. I've got nothing to hide. And one guy did. He walked right up to me and he had this suit and tie. You get a feel for these guys. They're very slick and they're very not. You know, you can tell.
2: <laughs> right.
4: Um, and he's like, so what do you got going on? What's new? I'm like, what do you want to know? I'm looking at him. <laughs> i
5: was. I'm yeah. an
2: open book, about 50, actually.
3: <laughs> right.
1: I'm sure they've read them all and they know Preston's schedule yeah. as soon as Preston knows it. You know? Mm. So, can- hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Here's this, yeah.
1: Remember to drink Folgers while you're listening. To the show,
2: guys. Um, do you think, I mean, it's a, it's a tough question, but do you think that you've been picked up by them at any point?
4: Government folk? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't have any. Well, <laughs> there was, there's been a, not so much picked up, but you know, my family was in the movie business and really gung ho. And my brother, Jamie, who's now passed on, so I got a guy for you. He's a CIA agent, and he's got some documents he'd love to pass uh-huh. on. You want to meet with him? And I'm like, oh, well, okay. And ended up driving down to Santa Monica, and sitting in his car next to this guy. Stupid, you know. I, I was young and reckless, I guess. But I took one look at this guy, and he was just gave me a cold shiver. I didn't like him. Uh-huh. And he handed over this stack of documents. And and I kind of just played dumb a little bit. And then he got on the phone. And he says, well, I don't need to do the. Just want you to know I don't need to do the job in L.A. And he gave me this look like I'm the job in L.A. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, you're going to wow. assassinate me. Is that what you're...
2: <laughs> wow. Wow.
4: So it was kind of I'm a not week. surprised. I looked through all the documents. And this was right when the MJ-12 documents were coming out. And those And they were there. Right. I'm like, oh, well, look at this. I don't believe this one. This is... And it was filled with misinformation and disinformation, particularly about that really dastardly piece of misinformation, which is that our government sold us down the river in exchange for ET technology and allowing, quote, abductions. That's yeah. the worst piece of disinformation in this whole field. I don't like it. I don't think it's true. Right. That was in there. Wow. I actually called up the guy who started that rumor. And he's like, yeah, it's true. I'm like, yeah, sure it is. Perfect. Wow. And and John Mayer, that's that's the guy. That's where I traced that down to. I'm not sure if he's the one, but he put out a big old article. And I found it again in an old UFO magazine. This whole setup that people bought hook, line, and sinker. Mm -hmm. And he didn't provide any backup information to say that this happened.
2: My, can't it. you just go into the old? Um, if you go online, the old FBI the the vault, look at all the old vault
4: files. Um, well, more and more documents are coming out. But I still, yeah. think it's very carefully controlled. Every single thing that's leaked you know it. Because look if what it's happened it's not here.
1: redacted, they just remove the the, info, the content. You don't even know because you. But there's still, still what stuff. Said.
2: There's still stuff in there. though like, look at the Nikola Tesla thing. I mean, but we've talked about this before. There is in the vault a document that clearly states that, Nik- that Nikola Tesla was brought to the Tesla family from beings from Venus. And they would check on him um, periodically because Venus was was actually believed to be a, a technology race of, of beings, um, which would make sense if you look at what Nikola Tesla was. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean...
4: Yeah. Do you, do you believe it? Well, I think Tesla was amazing. I think he's the most underrated scientist out there. And certainly a lot of people now are coming around and realizing he was the real deal. Yeah. his technology that he was looking into hadn't been suppressed, we would be living in a completely different place. But, yeah, it was all scooped up and covered up.
3: Right.
4: And I don't think we've seen most of what right. he was researching.
2: Right, right. Do you believe he was Venusian?
4: Um, I think he was in touch with ETs. He said as much.
2: I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. But for the FBI to put that as part of their uh, files in the, in the, the vault yeah. online, you can go dig it out. It's a document.
4: I, I would know. say that that's, I mean, I don't know. How yeah, see I know? what I mean?
2: Like, <laughs> the stuff in there they don't All want you to see, but then there's stuff in there that they put in there, and you're like, God, do I even believe it?
4: Because <laughs> so, I, mean, um, I think the, you know, we know Venus is not habitable. It's just not.
2: No, but at one time, I wonder if it was, you know, much like Mars.
4: Yeah, yeah well, I think Mars probably was habitable because we got inf- firsthand information from contactees who've been yeah. told by the ETs directly that yes. And that comes up a lot, actually. Well,
2: a lot of people have those apocalyptic-type dreams, which they believe may be memories because they see, you know, the red sand. They see all of this stuff happening and they just think it could be something that's from way back, maybe like an imprint or a memory, not so much dreams. I I
4: interviewed one guy who was being taken by the ETs, and he doesn't really remember it, but he came back with the knowledge at eight years old. He's like, mom, we came from Mars. Did you know that? And she looked at, she's Catholic. She's not. Oh (laughs) yeah.
2: Uh, We don't talk about those things. That's a family secret. Um,
4: (laughs) He got involved in church very early on because it's like, that's not right. Stand up, just like you know, young Sheldon in church. Right. That's not right. Oh boy. What are you
2: talking about? He's, He's my jerk. favorite. Out of the mouths of babes, right?
1: <laughs> like. Sheldon's my favorite. I even have a shirt that says "Bazinga." My daughter got it made for me. He's my favorite child on that show. <laughs> um, Michael Kennedy has a question, Preston. Do you think a well-covered video-wise live? streamed this is painful for me ce5 event would bring a sighting or better yet an undeniable proof of high strangeness given the large number of ongoing sites
2: i'll leave it up for Um, you
5: yeah
4: i think it certainly has that potential or certainly would have had that potential when we were having a lot more activity but now you know in my book high strangeness shameless plug
2: uh, da, da, da. Um, there it is. I interviewed a guy from
4: <laughs> Europe who um, has had a lot of encounters, and he says you need to put this in the book that people who are doing CE fives are a little bit vulnerable to becoming victims of my lab encounters. Oh, yes. really? Yes, and that they you know can come down and they will put on a staged event for you, and you're not going to like it. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. Um, So I think this is something we have to look out for. But, yeah, I sure wish, you know, that we had had cell phones during some of these major waves like Gulf Mm -hmm. Breeze or the Topanga Mm -hmm. Canyon wave or, you know, all these major waves. And that people were out there more organized with CE5s. Uh, And now I think we're at the point where, hey, I'm a little bit nervous about it. Uh, At some point, this all this evidence is going to come out people are, have excellent footage right and they post it on facebook and then instantly the cgi avalanches right over it and buries it mm-hmm. there's just no way now to determine what's real or not but really? there's enough people in a group who are scientifically minded and are in various positions where you could triangulate the object which is exactly what happened in mexico city in 1991 Fortunately, it stayed up long enough that 30 people in different parts of the city were able to videotape it. That's the best footage, the Kamburgas Turkey footage. I love that footage right? because Dr. Lear was there, and he's a Mm. trustworthy researcher. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: And there were people who saw this, and they haven't been able to debunk it. But now, I don't know if we're able to do that at this point with our government's in possession of reverse engineered technology that can mimic a ufo
1: well, here's one for you how do we know that these people planning these events aren't in cahoots with my
4: yeah well that's also a problem look at any ufo organization whether it's the first one apro the aerial phenomena research organization or q so nightcap or mufon um, they have problems <laughs> with government infiltration I mean, yeah. cause some of them to actually crumble. But My,
1: what about? Sorry. Mm-hmm. And, and what about these independents that go up and create these CE5 events without naming names? How do we know they're credible? How do we know they're not creating an event so that the government could come in, that they're no. not working together? How do we not know, especially when they're charging exorbitant <laughs> amounts of money? To have this experience, because I thought that if you're, an, you know, you're an experiencer, you're a contactee or you're a ductee, you would want to share that experience without charging $6,000 a person.
4: Yeah, well, you know, I was part of a CE5 group and no, we never charged a dime to anybody. That's what I meant. Knowledge should be free. And this yeah. is not something you need to pay $1,000 to do. Anybody can do it. And it's been done long before yeah. it became popular. This has been done. Well, that's what it,
2: Why not just telepathically put it out there? That's um, all I did. I just sat there and, and I looked up and I went, and I was just outside. I was out by the water, by the river. And I just said, okay.
4: Well, I and will. I, 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 Within I, I'm, less I'm than a
2: week, a few <laughs> days, bam, there it is.
4: I'm not afraid of naming names in some cases. And Stephen Greer is kind of the leader in this field, and he's very <laughs> controversial.
1: That was my controversy. Now I can speak up because you said it first. I can just no. agree. <laughs>
4: um, there, I was with him when a UFO showed up more than once, and it was for real.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, mm-hmm. That's my opinion. I saw it with my own eyes in a crowd of 20 or 30 people in right. the first night, the best one. And I talked to him extensively, and we had a few arguments. <laughs> Does he need
1: to charge that much money to be part of his group, though? Like, I, I just... No,
4: that's my main complaint. Yeah. And he's you know, hes people... changed,
1: hasn't he, since his first... I'm sorry, Stephen, if you're listening. I just... I watched you from the beginning, and I'm a little bit disappointed. Yeah, Michelle's going to kill I mean, me. that's my
4: main complaint, you know. Yeah. You, I don't think... But, you know, he's got his mission he wants to accomplish on earth and if that's what he wants to do and you want to pay that's your freedom to do it i Mm. i did attend one of his seminars which cost me 300 (laughs) bucks i wasn't Mm. going to join c because he wanted 200 something to lecture and the newspaper paid i'm like okay i'll go and i wrote an article for the newspaper right Uh, i loved his first film
1: (laughs) i loved it i really did i really enjoyed unacknowledged i thought it was incredibly well done, and it helped me get through a lot of stuff, and I appreciate him yeah, for that. that. Book,
4: disclosure, that he put out is a must-read. That it's I have It's absolutely haven't. something people should look into. I'm mm-hmm. proud of what he's done in terms of yeah. the disclosure movement. That's amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. I think he's done a lot of good, a lot more good than really anything. Has. Yeah. He's brought a lot of awareness, and a lot of people have been able to take a deep breath and say, okay, I'm not crazy,
2: but he stuck it through. You look at people like Corey Corey good, who, who retracted a lot, I think out of, out of fear for his life and his family, because that, you know, he was posting things for quite a while about being threatened and then just completely backed off. So I imagine there's a lot of people out there right now who are coming forward and you have those who are being threatened and people who are just afraid to come forward.
1: Uh, he has his crew surrounded. He has a huge. Um...
2: Well, he well, does he now, but he's he's,
1: he's too though. He talks about he, that.
2: He's he's put forward some really interesting. You see him in interviews, yeah. and the guy's breaking down in tears because he's being his life yeah. is being. I'm not.
1: I'm not dissing him for that at all. Oh I no, a, I,
2: I you know what? It's I it, have a it's great a whole
1: respect for him. It's a whole other life.
2: show. I agree yeah. with
4: Preston. Yeah, I think he's it's a contactee. A crazy. He's got a loyal fan base, but I don't agree with everything he says. Yeah, I can't agree with everything
1: anyone says, and I especially. um We talked about this not. To um, long ago on the show, closer to after the break, the the um, I'm former CIA thing doesn't sit well with me.
4: Yeah.
1: It just doesn't sit well with me, regardless of how trusting they may be. I don't, I would not sit and talk to anybody.
4: Yeah, it's funny. Sometimes I'm that. looking wouldn't would. There's some major researchers and I can't find who they are. I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> Because, you know, right. generally you can track someone's own. I've gotten pretty good at investigating with all the tools you have now. And mm-hmm. just, there's some major researchers. I'm like, who the heck is this person? Right. I can't find any trace of them on the Internet. Right. That always raises my eyebrows. I, I,
2: I think that, you know, you have a lot of people in the field. When you look at CE5s, and we spoke about this before. I mean, Russian scientists were doing this back in the, the, in the 70s. They were just bringing down because we didn't have to go, you know, to we didn't have to go to space because they would just be at one of their Air Force bases and they would just call them forward and they would come in. And this is yeah. how they have contacte doing it. There's a
4: contactee, Sisto Paz Wells, who's still in the field and has been doing it for years. There you go. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I know. I love it. I love it. But it goes to show you that it's, it. it's not this big movement like you could do it by yourself and chances are you'll get results a lot easier than if you're sitting there with 30 people
4: yeah well you know i know i know it's getting late so i do want to just give a quick little scoop on the book that i'm putting do
2: it yes (laughs) we run out
4: of time because yeah we're good that's going to be my next book not from here volume five and I want to talk about it here for the first time ever. Do it. It's yeah. not ready yet, but I've got some exciting things I want to cover. Okay. And, and one of them is our cases involving giant fleets of UFOs.
2: Wow. Okay, that's are, a new one.
4: Yeah, it's super rare because when someone sees a UFO, it's one or two or three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's actually more often a couple than a singular UFO. There's usually another one up there. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is super interesting. But I've got some cases that I've collected which involve 50 or 100 or 200 or 300. And there's not a lot of them. But here's one that I will talk about. And this occurred on February 20th, 1947 in New York. And it's super interesting because this is, of course, the launch of the modern age of UFOs, pre-Roswell. And this guy was at Syracuse University And the astronomer at the university comes running out and he says, you, you two (laughs) come in here. I want you to look through my telescope. And they're like, what, what? He's like, just look through it and tell me what you see. And so he looked through this telescope He says, come and look and tell me, I'm not crazy. They looked through this telescope. And within about 20 or 30 seconds, a UFO appeared and then another, and then another, and then another, and he started counting them. And they were going across in groups of ten or twelve or twenty. They counted over two hundred of them coming down. It's like, yeah, I see them. I don't know what they are. And mind I... you, this is 1947, <laughs> so hmm. that is that's, not that's
2: amazing. A and that, like, that's the real the real deal. Like, this isn't this isn't any of ours.
4: No. So they came in force, a large amount. There's so many wow of these ETs out there. It's not just a wow. couple of them there are right. so i found a bunch right. of cases like this where people see 70 ufos in the sky dancing around or another wow. real, really famous case was in farmington new mexico where there was this was 1940 gosh what day was that let me see if i wrote that down here somewhere. 1950 march night 17 1950 where half the town of Farmington saw this—we're talking a good thousand people at least—we saw hundreds of craft flying in the sky at once. So this is one of the chapters I'm digging deep into on what I would call giant, massive UFO fleets. <laughs> wow! It's amazing to hear these because they don't get a lot of coverage. They, just- they, they don't.
2: Aside from Phoenix Lights, you're 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 sort of not really. Getting a lot of stories about that, why do why do they come out in wolf packs <laughs> like, like in, in giant you know amounts like that?
4: Um, I think in some cases, this is an operation as what we might call a military operation, where they're going out and okay, we're going to contact a bunch of people on this night. Um, so
2: for, for, for beings that are trying to stay incognito, that's pretty wild.
4: Yeah, or it could be an honest to- God display. I think the Farmington case was a display. The one in Syracuse, clearly not, because you couldn't see them without a telescope. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But so I think we've got a couple of things going on here.
2: Right. So what's the biggest that you've come across so far? Like the, the biggest display of of crafts all at one time.
4: Um, it's about two or three hundred. I think that first one. Oh, is, on. <laughs> yeah, there was one at Catalina Island. You know, that's I must say two personally. So that's kind of what drew me in. And I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, how come I'm not hearing other cases like this? Right. I've
1: never heard of anything that massive. This is the first for me.
4: Yeah. I, it's not been well covered. So that's no. one of the things I'm hoping to get the scoop on. So I've kept very tight-lipped about it because
2: People yeah,
4: whoop in and,
2: yeah uh, because wouldn't that just bring on and um, like wouldn't the world's militaries look at that as a sign of of aggression and, and react?
4: From a military mindset, I have sympathy for them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when they came and sh- shut down the nuclear missile, <laughs> yeah. they must have crapped their yeah. pants. <laughs> right. <laughs> they really must have had a fit over that when really it's a clear message like what are you doing right um, right from a military perspective they've got to be losing their minds when they see these things hovering over our dams our power stations our airports our electrical installations i just found another case of that They mm-hmm. right over the electric anything technological they're there mm-hmm. as well
2: it's so <laughs> that's kind of, of a a concern in a sense because I mean there's a belief like Dolly always talks about how they've left um, so do you think this is something when we fall into false flags that could would easily be recreated to instill fear because I mean, this is something that's obviously been going on for a really long time so I think people could easily think that
4: yes you know it is a sign of aggression
2: and this is what we're being taught to believe
4: yeah and especially with not so much even reverse engineered technology, but 5D holographic or six or seven mm. or however high it goes. I don't seven. even know.
2: Drones um, and such too.
4: They can just put their little things in this, clung, turn it on and here comes this army of <laughs> UFOs and all they need is one to doink, shoot down a laser and fry a building. And we have independence day for real. Great. <laughs> aliens, yeah. It's not. And I can tell you pretty much with confidence that if anyone is being fried intentionally by a craft, that is government.
2: Wow, wow. Well, I am. I'm anxious to hear more about that for sure. Um, because to, to be able to write a whole book on those type of experiences, it'll be fascinating to see how many you find and how many you come up with, and how do you collaborate it, like.
4: Yeah, well, the, the good thing about those is they often do have multiple witnesses. Right, <laughs> so. right, yes.
2: But when you talk about the 40s, like, you know, that's a long time ago. I yeah. mean, it's hard to, to, to jog the memory. you, if I saw 300 UFOs, I don't think I'd ever forget it.
4: Yeah. And that's what's so hard about UFO research is this stuff is covered up. And I'm digging up all these old UFO magazines and it's such a treasure when I find them. I'm like, oh, wow, look at this.
2: Yeah,
4: <laughs> Archived vintage magazine. It's I've
2: like got loads of magazines. I should look through some and see if I have, if I can find any articles for you. Like older magazines. I'm
4: interested. And another subject I'm covering in the book was one I kind of touched on one of my YouTube episodes a while back. Uh, and was sort of inspired by an experience by Betty Hill, who almost was given an ET book. They said, they said, do you want anything? She's like, I want that. And they said, you won't understand it. And she's like, well, that doesn't matter. It's proof for me. And they said, okay. Mm-hmm. And she's walking down the darn ramp. And they said, stop, <laughs> we need that book. She's like, wait, you said I could have it. And I'm like, this is my proof. And they said, well, that's the point. We can't give you proof. And they took it back. And she was furious, rightly so, I think. Right. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Didn't Betty andreason get a book, a, a blue shiny book from the ETs? They gave yeah. it to her for two weeks. She took it home. And they, they said, you can't keep this. You can't show it to anyone. We're taking it back. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, I know of other cases. And I started collecting them. Jeff Selver, a recently uh, new contactee in terms of coming out and talking about his experiences. Had that experience as well. Hmm. On board a craft was shown this book. Hmm. And found out and with the And she couldn't he keep it. hers. No. And they always described this, this blue shiny book with jewels on it. Dolly hmm. Saffron. I'm like, I don't suppose you have ever seen a book on board a craft. She's like, well, yeah, actually. I'm like, really? <laughs> Please describe it to me. And it was the same description. These are not normal books, of course. Right. They're They are more like harry potter type books right just come alive and it's holographic and it speaks to you or plays i mean it's an amazing piece of technology
2: right um right which would make sense in advanced culture you know
4: so cool because i put that out on a youtube episode and i got a dozen more cases
2: interesting
4: so this is a thing this is absolutely a thing Somewhere out there, I think probably someone has their little book. I don't know. I'm wishful thinking there because Dolly tried to take hers home and she got in deep trouble. (laughs) They're like, are you kidding me? You can't. Uh, If this got into the wrong hands, it would be very dangerous. Which you can
2: understand. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't imagine you'd be allowed to have too much, you know, from a craft. But if anybody's listening and you have anything of interest, you know, you'll have to contact Preston. Because there, there are cases, um, again, there's one I, I can send you as uh, a story of, of a man who saw a craft and they were doing a repair on it. And there were humanoid um, beings, <coughs> excuse me, and they left things on, I guess they were drinking something and they, they just left the cup and they left whatever was in the cup on a bunch of rocks that they were sitting on while this was happening this guy basically took it they took off without it and went on to own (coughs) excuse me a large pharmaceutical company and he was using this concoction to put in his medications that apparently were working and i mean it's something that he apparently went to his death with
4: wow yeah there was a smattering of cases like that where people have gotten artifacts often they're crystals or pieces of metal or stones or something like that
2: yes yeah so or i mean
4: food in a couple of cases pieces of fruit or you know it's seeds yeah. or uh sticks and little things like that which mm-hmm. are certainly interesting there was one case where Kids were using their flashlights to Morse code at a UFO, and it landed.
3: <coughs> Brilliant, CE-5. They,
4: they walked on board, and the ETs asked them all these questions, wouldn't answer any questions. Kids offered their flashlight, which they took. The ETs gave them their flashlight. So they're running home with this alien flashlight. That's awesome. It's in Ecuador, according to Jimmy Gia, the French researcher. And, of course, the men in black came. Helicopters, jeeps, surrounded the poor kids. They were taken away from their homes, questioned, the flashlight was taken. But yeah, one guy got a, an ET te- telescope, that was also taken. Right. lab or men in black folks. Right. Such
2: right.
4: a shame. We could have a, this giant museum of artifacts. artifacts. We well, did. somebody
2: does. <laughs> yeah, we <we're gonna> <laughs> to <the blue laughs> It's room. just not any of yeah. us. <laughs> right.
4: So infuriating. I so want to see that. And that you know you made, know they have it. You know yeah. they have the technology. This is why you cannot tell me there's disclosure. Show me that room filled with ET artifacts. <coughs> Show me the Roswell craft. Show me the bodies. They can't. Mm-hmm.
1: They'd be giving up control. Yep.
4: Until I have that disclosure has not happened. It's still a cover up. That's Dis- what I want to see.
2: We're never going to see full disclosure. Won't we're we're, we're given little tidbits of things, and that's all we'll ever be given. I mean, we can't even get generic truth.
1: <laughs> we can't. Going we on. can't uh, get them to tell us who killed JFK, like a <laughs> yeah. and yeah.
5: Marilyn
1: Monroe. Like, I mean, even I know who killed yeah. her. Like, yeah.
4: Or Dorothy Kilgallen, who started talking about crashed UFOs. Mainstream reporter.
3: Yeah. Right.
1: The Black Dahlia, who killed her? These are all people that were talking. Mm. Marilyn Monroe was talking about UFOs and what they wanted to disclose, meaning JFK Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Bobby and all that stuff. Like, come on. It's Mm -hmm. just too much. They won't. It's control. Everything is about control and money.
4: Mm. Well, here's my message to all those folks listening now who are on the wrong side. (laughs) Um, Do the right thing. Tell the truth. It's not hard. It's not too late. No, You can do maybe. it. <laughs> you're so saving easy. your future family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, The yeah. karma, karmic debt people are incurring by doing the wrong thing and hurting people will come back to you because yeah. we are immortal beings. You may be thinking, well, I'm doing the right thing here on earth now. Think about your existence and its mm-hmm. totality.
3: Mm-hmm. You're,
4: you're digging a hole if you're hurting people.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And it's going to be hard to get out of. Do the right thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: This is mm-hmm. something contactees know. Contactees, generally speaking, are super nice people. Right. They're very generous. They're amazing right. people.
2: Right, right. And what, what do you think, lastly, what do you think the message to humanity from ET is, generically speaking? Because I know there are many messages, but what's the gist yeah. of it?
4: Um, love. Love love is the message wake up is the message trust yourself work on yourself Mm -hmm. wake up this is definitely one of their main goals is to just get people to become telepathic again that's it work with telepathy astral Mm -hmm. projection and all these just basic skills healing Mm -hmm. stuff we can do that and stop polluting and killing each other Mm -hmm. boy they're upset about the use of nuclear materials Mm. and bombs, and corruption Mm. and greed and Mm -hmm. pollution and chopping the forests. That's Mm -hmm. their main message, really.
2: I think also the big one is remember who you are. We're a species with amnesia. And if we could tap in and remember where we came from, who we really are, what we're capable of, I think you would see an entirely different civilization on this planet.
4: Yeah, and we're seeing it. There's progress.
2: Yes, we're we're getting there. Yeah, but you notice as people evolve and awaken, how the powers that be just amp up and step up.
4: Yeah, make it harder. It's a losing battle. You know, I really think that
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. what
4: I say, uh, spiritual evolution progress, it it moves forward regardless of what you're going to do. Sooner or later, people are going to evolve.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, you can't keep people in ignorance forever, right? It's just not, it's a losing battle,
2: right? Right, I agree with you. So, how can everybody get a hold of you, Preston?
4: Well, pretty easily, you can go to my website, just punch my name in, it'll take you there. You can contact me on Facebook, Messenger, mm-hmm. of course, or Instagram, Twitter mm-hmm. as well, though I have still hard time dealing with twitter because
2: (laughs) i know (laughs) yeah i know
4: my email is Mm -hmm. easy to find it's prestonufo at gmail.com i'm always here for people if they've got a question or just need someone to talk to about their experiences Mm -hmm. i am super busy so please be patient with me right (laughs) right because sometimes i mean it seriously can take me a couple of weeks
2: right
4: (laughs) for my emails
2: uh, and every Monday night.
4: Ah, that's right. The thank you, Michelle. <laughs> the light.
5: <bulb. laughs>
4: We're having so much fun. We're like 30, 35 episodes in, interviewing all kinds of wonderful guests. Congratulations. Having so well much done. fun with it. Yeah, we just interviewed Michael Schratt. Right. About crashed UFOs. And boy, what a treat that was. He's right. Like, right. That dude is smart.
2: So if you if you know of anyone that you'd like to see on The Light Gate with Dolly and Preston, or you possibly would like to be a guest yourself or recommend a guest, they can contact you. Just at all the different avenues that Preston just gave you.
4: Yeah. Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern.
2: There we go. There we go. And with that, I'm going to sign us off. So you... Thank you all for tuning in. You guys in chat room just make it so much more fun. We appreciate you all for being here and participating. Great question, great comments. We wish we could get to everyone, but we have seven chat rooms that come down into one. So it's a matter of just trying to get through everyone. So thank you. Big thank you to Preston Dennett, as always. Such a pleasure when you join us. Also, big thank you to Folgers Coffee for sponsoring tonight's show. Thank you to Justin Snicker, a.k.a. Dr. Snick, the Sonic Surgeon. Big thank you to Steve McGinnis. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Tomorrow night, we welcome back returning guests Dan and Teresa Duke, who are the great-grandchildren of Jesse James, and they will be discussing Jesse James's connection to the Knights Templar. And a secret treasure and things of that nature—things you did not know about yeah. Jesse James. If you missed yeah. the last show, you're going to have to go in and dig it up because it. I watched was, it. It
4: was good. Wasn't yeah. a great <laughs> it was great?
1: Wow! like what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> <It was really> <laughs> <good>. <laughs> I know. You just never know. <laughs> I know, and
2: he has sent more photos too, so we're going to be able to uh, check some things out. So it's going to be a fantastic show. So for everyone else who's tuned in tonight, thank you, and we shall see you tomorrow evening. Good night.